0: And welcome to Overcaffeinated with Attitude. I'm your host, Lara Riz. And I'm your other host, Caitlin Adams. And, and today, today <laughs> go ahead. We have a special little treat for you. What's a um, treat? We made ourselves a little cappuccino and we will be talking about 365 days one and two. Um, and we will just talk about that. And if you haven't seen it, we can kind of yeah, heavy spoiler yeah heavy <laughs> spoilers um heavy uh vulgarity warning Uh probably not
1: safe for work yeah this episode's steamy like my milk
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah and um so first I guess I want to preface that all of our opinions are our own so you know take that into consideration and uh we're just doing this for fun so yeah okay so I over the weekend, read both books. Originally, um, okay, so let me just get my notes here. The author meant them to be entertainment, and they meant them to be a feminist cautionary tale um, for women to use their brains in a situation like this. And and we'll get, and we'll definitely get more into that. Um, but I think it's important for the, that the author said this, because I mean, I feel like you could take, you know, this relationship to be very toxic, mm-hmm. and definitely not a great in real life relationship. So take that with a grain of salt.
1: Right. And it's interesting that you mentioned that. And I like that you mentioned that, um, because I literally just got done watching them. I didn't read the book and it is nice to know the author's intentions because (laughs) watching them back to back and the end of the second movie, I'm just like, What just happened? What did I do for the last four hours of my life? But I think when you put it in the perspective of this was supposed to be sort of like a cautionary tale, it makes more sense because I literally said this was like 50 shades of gray meets like a horror movie meets like the Lizzie McGuire movie. Like I didn't ever know how to take the tone of the movie and that might be like filmmaking in general, because I feel like they took a lot of strong choices that I would be very curious to know um, if they're actually in the movie uh, and, and the book, I mean, but yeah, there was some things where I was just like, wow, like the music they chose or the setting, but you know, in the context of it being like a, a cautionary essay to women, it, it kind of makes me like it more. I think.
0: I think so too. Although we'll have to talk about the third book because they already like did a little translation on it. And oh, I'm if, wow. the, if the yeah, we could get into that, but I didn't um, know there
1: was a third book. I'm so excited yes. because the ending of the second movie, I was like, now what?
0: The unfortunate thing is, is that because the author, uh, Bianca Lapinska, um, Mm -hmm. she's originally Polish and she actually was a makeup artist before, um, she wrote the books and now she's considered to be the number one author in Poland, which is pretty cool. But she said that there's definitely not going to be any more books after this. And she did do, I think she was actually kind of inspired by 50 shades of gray a little Mm -hmm. bit. So we can kind of go into that too. But I think it's being translated right now because the third book is not set to come out in English uh, until until September of this year. So okay. now um, <laughs> I just kind of wanted to get into, and I don't know if we want to get into the plot a little bit, but 365 Days came out at a very weird time in America. Let me just do a little setting for you. Uh, it was June 11th, 2020. There were Black Lives Matter protests there. We still had President Trump as our president, um, and we were in the midst of heavy coronavirus, things were not really that great. So um, a friend told me about 365 days and that it was steamy. And of course that piqued my interest because there literally was nothing else to do or watch. I feel like I watched everything. I read everything. There was just nothing really holding my attention. So um, I knew that the books were, were a thing. Um, and I really wanted to read them, but I couldn't, because again, they weren't translated into English yet. Uh, they were still in Polish and. You know, the only way you could read them is um, if you were fluent in Polish. So I'm not, but I'm glad that I read them. And um, the movie premise is basically that a woman, well, um, a mafia boss has a vision of a woman. And this woman happens to be Lara Beal. And he finally sees her because she's on a vacation in Italy with her loser boyfriend. And she finally realizes that this is not something she wants. And she ended up, she ends up getting kidnapped by Massimo, the mob boss. And it, I wouldn't really call it a love story. Um, It's more of a like. Crime. Crime. <laughs> and, uh, I don't know. Catch. I don't know. I almost want to say like catch and release kind of situation um he gives her 365 days to fall in love with her and if she doesn't then she'll let him go
1: yeah he'll let her go
0: yeah he'll let her go <laughs> um, right and that's basically the whole premise of the movie and um there's really not like a ton of plot otherwise um so no. you really kind of get to the second movie so the first movie is just them playing you know cat and mouse and you know i don't know it, it's a game of it's it's almost like a game to both of them they both are trying to seek control of the other there's like kind of like a dominant submissive thing going on um, um and someone right. please please teach this woman how to use a gun and how to defend herself oh my god
1: right well that was the thing like i didn't understand in the beginning when in the very very beginning like her job i guess is irrelevant but the parallels between like the first scene for him and her i was like is she in a panic room is she some kind of spy and i thought for some reason she was going to be like working to like catch the mafia
0: so like i was very confused by the first scene too um (laughs) because that's just not like i don't understand what that situation room was right like i feel like that was and even in the books like that never happens so, like, I don't really right. know why she is in the situation Room Now, I thought it was his, Massimo's uh, lover, Anna. That's who I thought that was. Right. I thought she... Like, Anna was sitting in the meetings with him. And when they're outside, that's when his dad and him both get shot.
1: Right. Right. But there's, like, two different situations going on. Like, sh- he's in a room with, I guess, Anna... And then there's like a whole unrelated like parallel with him. And then there's like Laura and then you see his life and all that crazy shit that happens with him. And then she is in her loveless relationship and um, what a way, you know, at two in the afternoon to, to start out my viewing experience with having a woman you know, for lack of a better term, like uh, getting her frustrations out on my screen. I'm convinced my um, neighbor was looking on in horror. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's one thing with these type of movies that I feel, um, and I'm not like a prude person, but like, I feel like these sex scenes go on too long. Like I could have got the point uh, and cut Laura um, having a good fun time with herself you know, a good minute could have been cut in that, but regardless, I was really confused, like...
0: So he has, he has like, a vision of her, like, that's in the books, like, they explain yeah. it a little better, like, he has, when he's near death, he has a mm-hmm. vision of Lara, and um I think in the movies they try to do that, you know, s- cinematography where, like, like, she's, like, on the beach or something, or she, like, yeah. like whimsically turns and is, like, look at my hair flip and, yeah. and it's kind of like that. Um, so I think that's when he like, has like that near-death experience vision of her. And then when he sees her in real life, because mm-hmm. um, in the book he's he's like, com- like five years, he's convinced that she's real. And then once he sees her, she, he's like, oh my God, I need to possess and like capture this woman.
1: Right. I thought it was actually like literally like he saw her on the beach and then he got shot, which was also strange. Both situations are more strange, but I guess it is more romantic if like he had a vision of her and he's never seen her before. And then he was awestruck when he saw her in real life. Like, I get that. That's fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I just think that this, the way that they did the films is so different from how the books are. Like I feel like with the books, like Laura is actually like a real person, mm-hmm. and not I guess every single um, cliche that I feel like women uh, when they try to try to do this, you know, Beauty and the Beast or Bluebeard or weird, you know, like make it a fairy tale kind of situation. Um, like like she actually has like thoughts and feelings, and I j- I just don't know if it came across in the movies now that i look back on it because i saw the movies first and then mm-hmm. read the books but like i think that as a viewer you're kind of doing yourself a disservice by not reading the books because the books like like make these characters complex and right. in the movies i don't think that they were complex if you want to like break it down into the nitty-gritty of like you know a film like review
1: right and i I think that's important to be said because it was a weird i think they tried to make the i think they tried to make the characters complex but it was a matter of bad screenwriting so it's it's hopeful to know that the books were a little bit better in making the the characters seem like real people because like that's one thing like i loved about the movie like okay let's break it down like one sentence though i loved them I, I loved them. I thought they were ridiculous. But um, as I, I don't know if that is the same intention as the books, because it, it threw me off the oscillation between like Laura and Massimo being like caricatures of every ridiculous thing. Like she was edgy and cool sometimes. And then she was weak and frail. And then, you know, she had a heart condition that made her pass out which um they totally like kind of forget about in the movie she would like black out on a whim in the first movie and then the second one she's very strong
0: yeah so actually it's funny that you mentioned that because that was that, that was like an overall theme throughout the entire book like her heart condition followed her through and it was almost like they always were asking her in the books like do you need your pills do you need your pills like and that was like her like heart medication that like kept her alive and you're like okay like great that was, yeah like yeah right I thought that was
1: really romantic in the fact that you wanted to like Massimo even though he was literally a criminal and he kidnapped someone I okay <laughs> the actor that played Massimo um acted his ass off all right he did the most with this character. And it's awful. He was the only one where I really believed like he was in love with anyone. Laura would just like dead eye him and just be like, and he'd be like, Oh, I'm so hot for you. And she'd be like, me too, but you can't control me. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like, but he was just so passionate. So amazing. I, I, absolutely fell in love with him and i was like you know what maybe he's not half bad but then i kept stepping back and i'm like no this isn't even like a beauty and the beast sort of situation he literally kidnapped her and said you can't leave like that's textbook stockholm syndrome like yeah she might have fallen in love with him but like he was literally her captor like he said you cannot leave i don't know that that always like made me like think weird things. I went back and forth with thinking their love was sweet um, for those two aspects. One, he was so good at, you know, cherishing her. And that was really the character. He did really cherish her and he did really love her and he wanted to protect her. But then there was this awkward, weird side where they tried to make him dominant. And unlike Fifty Shades of Grey, like I believed it in there, regardless of the bad acting. And here I'm just like, that seems uncharacteristic he's a mob boss, things like that, but I don't know. This weird S&M relationship didn't exactly mesh.
0: In the books, I think, I think it's more believable to believe that he's more dominant, I guess, because like, there's just so much more, I guess, backfill to the story. Mm-hmm. Like with the movies, there really wasn't like, <laughs> again a plot to like yeah, move that
1: along. So, yeah. it was I like mean, I'm tough but I'm tortured I'm a yeah. bad boy but I'm sensitive and every time they would be in the bedroom like she'd kind of control him which I kind of thought was cool but,
0: but yeah also, when- like what the to me is like they were so about the clothes in the movie that you're like who is Lara like I don't mm-hmm. even know like who she is like I just know that like like, like, what is her past? Like, they didn't even like do a good job of like, I don't know, like giving her um, a past or like, like, even with like Olga, like uh, Mm -hmm. her help. or yeah, I think it's Olga. Um, Olga. So in the book, it's um, Massimo's half brother is Domenico. um, Mm -hmm. And he's like Massimo's little henchman and he falls in love with her best friend. Olga mm-hmm. and then like Olga like has like a whole past and 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 like Olga is almost like the more interesting I think character in I the books, so too. books in in the books at least and I don't know in the movies they kind of made her like the dumb friends like and like I don't know I, I mean I, I, like I guess as like a feminist I'm just kind of like like Lara and Olga's relationship didn't really pass the test of you know can they talk about anything other than males um <laughs> yeah
1: no I, I definitely understand that at the same time there was two things to that relationship that got me I thought her Olga's relationship with um is that Domenico in the, the movie too that's his name I think so um their relationship was like way more believable than Massimo and Lauren's and maybe it is because they seemed like people they were supposed to be the secondary characters but yeah regardless of what you thought of Olga, I, I thought she was kind of dumb too, but I liked her. Yeah. She seemed like the fun friend. Um, but their love seemed more legitimate and sincere. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> and so 365 days major spoiler ahead. So if you can yes. watch it, then turn it off and come back or whatever.
1: Turn Do off what the want. whole episode. We're spoiling this whole game.
0: <laughs> Do what you want. But in and so at the end of 365 days. Laura and Olga are in that car crash Mm -hmm. um, and she loses the baby. Oh. Which Massimo totally like got her pregnant on purpose but we're just gonna um, maybe talk about that like in one second. So in the books she doesn't lose the baby. Oh that's interesting. She's pregnant throughout the entire second book. Now I kind of think that it was a mistake not to continue with that plot only mm-hmm. because I don't know how they're going to do the third, like third um, movie. Because like at the end of the second book, we're kind of jumping around here, but at the we're end of the around. second book, she, Ma, she gets shot. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it just kind of cuts the end. And, and at the end of the book, Massimo has to make a choice. Who does she save, he save? does he save the baby or does he save his wife, Laura? Ooh. Yeah. Boiler. <laughs> he saves Laura. And doesn't wow. have her Oh my God. So she thinks that it's her fault that she lost the baby. Now, mind you, this woman was shot in the stomach. Like, mm. come on. And uh, he never tells her that that's, that's what his, he had to do. Like he had to make a, like, who do you say who? And so then she falls into extreme al- alcoholism in the third book, apparently. Um, and it kind of goes from there. And then Nacho makes a reappearance and you have a nice little love triangle. Um, so I don't really know how they're going to do that without this major plot of the book, unless they're like, cause in the, the way that the second movie started I was really annoyed that they just totally skipped through all of like that, like recovery and whatnot, because I feel like you're like, I don't know, (laughs) it didn't happen in the book or maybe it did. I don't even remember. But like, how do you, how do you go from a car crash ending on a major cliffhanger to now we're at their wedding and it's all good.
1: Right. And it was unclear as a movie viewer in the beginning to even know really what happened. They're like, they're going to kill Laura. And then it cuts to black in the end of the first one. And the second one, it's like, we're getting married. And then she's having a conversation with Olga. That's like, he doesn't know about the baby. And they just kind of breezed past all this very important plot. And like, I think that was like half of the problem with both of these movies. They came off like kind of ridiculous and like a parody because like, they just breezed past like really important plot points. <laughs> they were just like, now we're having sex on a table, and ah, uh, like,
0: oh, good yes yeah. Oh, dear. yeah.
1: And then there was like panning shots of like the beautiful beach or Laura in her silk, sleek outfit. Um, And there was no time to be like, what, what did I just watch in that? what what is happening like what is the progression of this story and it was hard like I felt like I was watching some kind of soap opera because I'm like wait does Massimo have a twin brother what's going on here and I literally messaged you I'm like
0: really yeah so tell a nueva I mean it's very um... and
1: that's why I enjoyed it the most I think that's one thing I enjoyed about it the shallowness of the story and the absolute ridiculousness like it would just be like Hold me, no, you can't control me. And then there would be like an Ed Sheeran song or something, which I just loved. I loved how dramatic and just oh chef's kiss in that regard. It was um, no really it was, but getting back to it, I think that you know, in the context of it being a book, did you feel like there was, you said that there was more world building yeah, that made so the characters seem more sympathetic? Because like, literally none of these characters I cared about. I, I wanted to protect Olga and Dominico with my life. Um, Nacho was annoying.
0: Yeah, Nacho's annoying in the book too. Um,
1: <laughs> it's just like, you could tell he's up to no good. He is definitely an F boy in some regard. I didn't know what it was in the beginning, but
0: it's funny because it's like the whole like second movie was basically the last like hundred pages of the book. Um. So you have like, and the book's like almost four hundred pages. So like you have like three hundred pages of like (laughs) story and plot. I mean, a lot of it is like them like messing around and screwing and whatnot. And I mean, and like there's like a ton of blowjobs. Um. So many in the movie too. No. Um. (laughs) So many. So like after a while, I'm just kind of like, all right, all right, let's get through this. like um." Okay. You
1: do that too, though. I felt myself just like fast forwarding some of the sex scenes because I'm like, okay, I know. I I know what's going to happen. They're going to (laughs) look at each other. Some great stuff's going to go on. But after a while, I was just like, all right, I want to get back to like what's happening because I think it was a little bit more compelling than those passionate
0: scenes. Yes. Although... It's it kind a of boss. like how does like my my main question when I was like thinking about like what we would talk about is like how does he have any time to be at mob boss when he <laughs> is just screwing around the whole time like doesn't he have like like, guns and, like, drugs to run? Like, when is he doing that? Because, I mean, she, exactly. and even in the books, like, she takes up so much of his time and attention, and she's always storming off and, like, running away and, like. So dramatic. So dramatic. And I'm just, like, all right. Like, but, like, can we get back to, like, the, like, mob stuff? Like, mm-hmm. I would have loved to see her coming in with, I guess, more of, like, like a badass attitude of, yeah, I can shoot a gun. <laughs> like mm-hmm. making. You know, like I just would love yeah. to see her, like, I don't know, already have like that martial arts background and just be like a a black widow or like just, you know, be able to like defend herself in these mm-hmm. situations because she gets kidnapped, not once, but twice. twice. <laughs> and I think in the books, she, like, I don't know, she's friends with like a lot of like, like C D people. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even know how that happens, but I just don't understand how Massimo has any time to be a mob boss when all he does is basically... You know, sleep with his wife, good for him. Yeah, like we get it, bro. (laughs) Yeah. And like somehow like be like this like major player among like the mafia families. I don't know how. I don't know how he has that. Right, right.
1: So I think there's a discussion to be had there because um Brian walked in blindly um into like the second one, I think, or like the end of the first one. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, I would have that much of a love life too if I didn't have a job. And I'm like, Brian, he's supposed to be a mafia boss. And he goes, What? and he was just like so because like, he just thought they were just rich people having fun on a beach i'm like no he's supposed to be a mafia boss he's like this is ridiculous i'm like that's what you think is the ridiculous part of this movie okay that's where you draw the line but he was enjoying it too but regardless um that kind of is i don't know intentional that like she was his weakness that's how, what i got from it because like oh yeah totally. um, going into the second movie then um that's kind of the whole point. They really didn't think that he was a major player because he was so distracted with her instead of actually, you know, running a crime syndicate, which I I, I would believe would take up a lot of your time.
0: Yeah. And so bit, just like a tad.
1: Yeah. We come in um, to their relationship. They're married, they're happy, they're whatever, they're sleek, they're fun. And you think that she's going to be like this cool, smooth, like mafia wife. Um, in the beginning of the second one, that's what she seems like after they get married, she dyes her hair back from blonde, which was very strange to me. Let's put a pin in it for two seconds. I don't want to lose my conversation, but side note that blonde wig that they had on her in the end of the first one and the beginning of the second one. So for some context, her and her friend Olga go for a spa day because that's what girls need after they've been kidnapped for a year is just like a little baby spa day to, you know, like refresh themselves. So her and Olga go to the spa and they get refreshed. And for some reason she has like a platinum blonde Bob at the end of it, Laura, which she is rocking. I mean, she is a very gorgeous woman. I'm not going to lie, but the wig was unreal and I mean that in the worst possible way. Like there was like fiber strands that you can see like hanging off of it. It was just very fake. I didn't like it. I didn't
0: understand. So see, after you noticed that in House of Gucci too, and I didn't <laughs> I, did not. I, I I'm not I guess I'm just not really paying attention to the wig game. Um it's not really something that I, I'm like really looking at when I'm like watching a film about, you know, basically a soft porno. That's just not my main focus, I guess. I don't know. <laughs>
1: I think my mind goes to different places than you then. I'm not sure. (laughs) But yeah, yeah. Um, After I was bored with all of the pornography that was laced in the film, I was looking at the horrible character and costume design, but um, yeah wig was awful so when she has that for her wedding and then they dye it she's sleek she's fun we're coming back to it so she's at this party with massimo and she's just uninterested by his like mafia talk like i can't be bothered with your business that you have to do with your business i'm
0: like which by the way girl pays for your your style style of your spa days and your outfits, and the fast cars, yeah. and everything. She's just like, nope, not interested, you know, please, you know, throw me up against the wall, and let's just continue what we're doing, and I think that's the right. problem with it hurts my, but it's just crazy, like, I just, he
1: pays for everything. He
0: pays for everything, and I don't know. You would think like uh, like you know, you're basically being like like um a kept woman. A kept woman. Yes. That you know, he would you would care a little bit more about I don't know, the business. Instead. But I think the problem with her character is like they made her seem so immature. Mm-hmm. Like just so not developed, like so not like cognizant of anything other than that animalistic desire <sighs> to have sex.
1: Right. And that was and That's not a real woman. The by the yeah. Way. She does not exist but was that the same? That's what I'm like questioning, like in the book, was she more of a a motivated? Cause it seemed like she went back and forth between being like, like she was standing on the beach in the second one being like, I don't have to No, It might've been at her house. Like I don't have to do anything, but be a good wife. And then she would want a job and then she wouldn't want a job. And then she wanted fast cars and pretty dresses. And then she didn't. And then he gifts her a clothing line to manage and then she's like Ugh, you know what I do all these sex toys it's just like what do you want out of your life so that's what I was really interested in. was she more of a developed woman in the book or did she kind of still seem like immature
0: um she was definitely was still immature um I think she definitely needs therapy <laughs> well that's an <laughs> <I> mean, understatement <laughs> yeah probably understatement but like you, you, a lot of her exes were like these very like I guess like macho y, like one was like an M-A- MMA fighter. It just seems like, like she, she, I don't know, they, she, they didn't really develop her to be like a thinking, like questioning woman about like, hmm, like maybe I shouldn't like trust every single man that I see or like maybe like I, and maybe that's where the cautionary tale comes in. Like maybe you should think twice about, you know, meeting up with a man who is going to give you like fast cars and like in the, in the book, like she knows that Massimo is like a mafia boss and she actually sees him like shoot someone in the head. Um, and Mm -hmm. she like kind of freaks out and, you know, needs her, uh, heart medication, but like she kind of is like, she wants to know, but she doesn't want to know. And I think that's where like the bluebeard fairy tale comes in kind of a little bit. Um, because like one of bluebeard's wives, like she like like, like is curious and like wants to know what her husband's up to, but, you know, obviously it's like, is ignorance bliss in that situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you aren't familiar with Bluebeard, I suggest you look it up because I feel like a lot of um, stories, a lot of movies, a lot of books kind of go off of this Bluebeard uh, fairy tale. Um, And it's kind of similar to Beauty and the Beast, but it's also different. So look it up. (laughs)
1: Look it up. I don't know. I just wanted her to stand up for herself. And the only way she did that, it seemed was controlling him. She ended up being the one that would like control him in the romance, but in no other aspect of his life. So like yeah, she was dominating this mafia boss in the bedroom, but she really had no control over any other part of her life, um which was really frustrating and um
0: what I took from it is like I took her character to be from money mm-hmm. um and or like she's been a kept woman before. And I think that it's important not to stereotype that, but like, it it just seems like, like the way that she was written, she's never had to worry about a meal. She's never had to worry about like realistic problems. Like she's just Mm -hmm. kind of lived in this kind of bubble her whole life and, you know, kind of let men take care of her. And she seems like in the books and in the movies that she needs like a lot of attention. Um, Right. And that she likes to be ornamental and, you know, like, but she also like it's like almost like a the author, and like even like artists are really like, oh wait, but she we have to make her kind of like go against this I'm a kept woman thing, like that she mm-hmm. has going on. I don't know. It seems it's, they wanted her to be more, but like she's really not more as a character,
1: right? Or and sure. That that makes sense. And I guess that plays into like the more not like serious part. Um, I don't know how much I can analyze this part of it. But it seemed like with Laura's shallowness, it almost played into her submitting to being kidnapped a little bit more easy. So what I mean to say by that is that like, in the beginning, you see that she's fantasizing of a more dangerous you know, fantastical life when she's with her, you know, boring boyfriend who chooses to, you know, finish up his job for the day instead of being with her. Um, and um, I think it was like kind of a dangerous trope that she was shallow enough and not perceptive enough to pick up on the manipulation that was happening um, while she was captive.
0: And you also see that when she, she is talking to Nacho for the first time. Um, I forget his right. real name. I don't really know what his real Nacho. name is. Nacho, just, It's just going to be Nacho. Nacho. Um, who actually was like, not really my type, but like his eyes were amazing. His
1: eyes were amazing. Remember, yeah, I felt the did, same way.
0: They did great, uh, I think, casting with that one. Um, especially when you read like the books, like it's pretty, pretty like set, like like he was like covered in tattoos like he even had tattoos on his butt and uh um, and I don't know he like just was like an attractive guy and um when in the book when he finds out that she's pregnant he uses a different tranquilizer on her to as to not hurt the baby which is can so we talk romantic about how, weird, how weird that is like to begin with <laughs> um and I don't know but then like I feel like like as his character like I kind of hate that they made him like so likable because Mm -hmm. when you're looking at the situation, like she's getting kidnapped for a second time. Like that's pretty messed up. And then they
1: manipulate her even more to say it was your fault. Like (laughs) you made me take you and kidnap you. It wasn't kidnap. You wanted this. And they made it like her fault that she was kidnapped which I think is super damaging, but like, that's why it's weird. The framing of it in the films, because it does really mean like, I don't know. It gives off the vibes, like gas, like gatekeeping girl boss kind of vibes where it's like, everything was always her fault. And she was the dumb woman for not realizing anything. But when you do it in the context of like, maybe this is supposed to be like, you know, almost like a horror movie, like a cautionary tale, like, this can happen if you're not, you know, aware of your surroundings and thinking for yourself. And um...
0: I just wanted to, I guess kind of want to get other people's opinions. Cause I just feel that um, I don't know if I'm being like over or oversensitive, but it just seems to me that uh, Lara really isn't a strong uh, female character. And I think that my whole issue is um, that with a lot of these, I guess, romance stories or s stories, um, stories, you kind of wonder whether or not it's like, to what point, I guess, is is it abusive and manipulative to be in this type of relationship? Um, and, you know, I really feel like in the movies and in the books, they kind of betrayed her to be you know, a blow up doll uh, who didn't really have like a lot of thoughts and feelings that were very well developed.
1: Right. And that's, I guess, like, does that go along with the genre where you're just having these women that are just caricatures of her, because you're supposed to put yourself in like her shoes or, you know, is it just like lack of character development? I think that's really an interesting point. And I would love to see like, an example of like a and SM relationship in a book, because I think that we're only seeing these examples of like manipulation and, you know, deceit that starts out these like then quote unquote consensual relationships, which is, you know, frustrating because I think that Laura could have been a, a way more stronger woman. Um, but, you know, she was kidnapped and manipulated for half of the first part of her relationship and then. It happened again to her so in another way (laughs) so yeah um i would love to know what the audience thinks hello listener it's you um but yeah i would love to know and i also want to know your recommendations for um, romance novels especially smutty ones um that's going to be my new identity i'm going to just read romance novels i love that I think so. Yeah. So I want to know your recommendation. And especially if there's any that you've read that have a a healthy, you know, S and M relationship, I would love to know, um, instead of like, you know, an example of, um, Stockholm syndrome.
0: Yes. Cause there wasn't even like a safe word. Like they didn't even have like a, like a, all right, you're, you're pushing me like way too far. Like there's no, like, I don't know, weird safe word that's like purple or like, I don't know, I don't really need safe words. So I don't really know what that, like what, you know, it's something that I guess a couple <laughs> of the sides, I don't know. But. Yeah.
1: Well then at the same time, I mean, other than the, you know, whole kidnapping thing, um, you know, Laura did uh, on a few occasions be like, no, I'm going to set the boundaries in our relationship, but which was cool because like, it was obvious consent with their like relations, but it was formed on the fact that he kidnapped her (laughs) and said, be in love with me or no. So like, does that set the basis of like, does she really have consent, even though she's like saying she does, or is it the illusion of consent?
0: Right. And is there any way to make that relationship a healthy one? Yeah. With how it started out. Right. Like you're already off on like, a, you know, the wrong foot. Like, how do you even, I guess, get back on track into like, I guess, romance and like, intimacy. That's not physical, like emotional right. int- in- intimacy. Like, I just don't know how, where you kind of go from there. So like anyone who's studied psychology, like, please let me know how, how that would, e- what that would even look like, because yeah. I, I just don't know. Right. Right.
1: Yeah. So let us know what you think about 365 days and 365 days
0: this, this day, day. <laughs> this
1: day not yesterday this day um yeah, in the comments I we also want to know your best you know romance novels. I'm about it. I'm gonna get a, a nightstand full of them and
0: I don't know. I definitely have quite a few in my repertoire. so, so I could safe. definitely <laughs> suggest <them for> you. <laughs> um I think I just read the Hades Persephone um trilogy um and i'm i'm definitely sure that there's others so i love that that's
1: a great starting point from there i just want to go way downhill like the worst of the worst
0: yeah so. and i think we talked about this but i was i because 50 shades of gray was so successful and mm-hmm. because i mean 365 days i wouldn't really call it a success <laughs> but it kind of makes me want to write a romance novel and i think what you and i talked about before um, this podcast, when we were in our planning meeting was I was going to write a pirates, vampires romance and see what happens.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: so that might happen. Who knows?
1: I want it. I want it to happen. Pirate vampire romance.
0: Definitely make sure that there's consent in there because yes, that's important.
1: Consent is key.
0: And strong female characters.
1: Yes. We want all the representation. Yeah, so let us know what you think. I had a blast recording this episode. I had so many. Okay, um, my favorite quote. I didn't know how else to throw this in here. So my favorite quote from the two movies, even though there was a lot of them that could have been runners up, was um, when Olga and Laura were talking um, after you know Laura was kidnapped for a year almost, and um, Olga had not heard from her friend and thought she was you know, dead. Uh, (laughs) They're sitting in their apartment. um, And she's like, wow, so what is this man like? And she said, well, his body uh, was chiseled from a god or something like that. And then Olga goes, how about his dick? And (laughs) Laura gets real close and she goes, that was made by the devil. And I laughed, honestly, for like, 10 minutes because that that, and it just went downhill from there and i had such a good time so thank you laura for introducing me to these characters
0: yeah i also think it's really weird that laura there's a laura yeah (laughs) laura beale in 365 days, and I'm also Lara, but not that Lara. So I feel like we just probably should have distinguished that way from the beginning. Um, I definitely don't have this ulterior uh, lifestyle where I was kidnapped by a mobster. I just want to throw that out there. Although I am going to Italy in a month. So who knows what's going to You better watch out. <laughs> yeah, I better watch out. I better, you know, use this as a cautionary tale to, you know, watch out for, you know, really attractive men. Uh, who have bodyguards and nice cars
1: exactly those are the ones that'll get you every time yeah um and also we never talked about our delicioso cappuccinos
0: oh they were so good um so how did you make yours and I'll tell you how I made mine
1: Yes. Mine was chocolate raspberry infused espresso.
0: Mm.
1: Yes. um, With Italian sweet cream. And then I used half and half as my frother. And then after that, I sprinkled chocolate. Well, it's actually chocolate caramel, like dust it's called. And I just put a little bit, a little bit of sprinkle in it.
0: Yeah. Yours
1: looked amazing too. What was in yours?
0: So I made uh, I'm, I, I'm a good old Folgers girl. I'll, I'll die on that rock on that brand. So I made, made myself a coffee and then I used my frother um, and I used vanilla coffee mate. No, actually it was delight. It was vanilla delight. Um, and then I did a dash of like vanilla syrup. And then mm. I last minute had the genius idea of cutting out a heart. And then I put that paper heart over my coffee cup and I dashed cinnamon, and then I lifted it, and luckily it worked out.
1: It looked so cute. Um, there's pictures on our Instagram. Um, yeah, it was so cute. I love it. i time making it. It was very tasty, so that was our that got in the mood of 365 days. And it was like your third cup of the day, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was my third cup of coffee and I crashed very hard. Um, later. <laughs> so, but yeah, we are hoping to have more, um, you know, drinks and coffee little segments in the future. So I'm really excited. I don't know if we've come up with a name for it yet, but we'll get there. We'll sit on it.
1: Yeah. But if you have any favorite coffee brands, message us. I would love to try them out. We're not sponsored yet. But.
0: No. And I think we're gonna try mushroom coffee one of these days, yes. too. Yes, I'm
1: so excited for that. I'm nervous too. Like the thought of it makes me iffy, but I've heard so many great things. So I'm ready. I'm ready for the mushroom. Bring it on. Bring it on. <laughs> so I guess that's it for us today.
0: Um I'm your host. Is- <laughs> <laughs> I'm your host, Boris.
1: And I'm your other host, Caitlin Adams. And this has been Overcaffeinated with Attitude. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.